Hello and welcome to Hoop Seven's Basketball Hustle for another week. And after this marathon season, Cody, we're two weeks away from the finals starting, two weeks away from the regular season ending. I'm sure there's some teams that can't wait for that two weeks to be up. And I'm sure there's four more teams that can't wait for the finals to start. I'm not sure we are quite locked away on who those four teams will be yet. So we'll chat about that on the show. We're getting some interesting performances from the teams that aren't in finals contention. We've now got the WNBL Championship decided and we'll talk about that game too, which was quite dramatic in Perth, Cody. And the NBL One West season is underway as well. We'll talk about your thoughts on the Warwick Senators and what you saw as well. So plenty to get through on this week's show. We hope to bring you a guest as well. We hope it's the scoring machine. Mm -hmm. If not the scoring machine, we'll make sure we find someone, Cody. So we'll, we'll bring you somebody this week. But let's get stuck into it all. I'm Chris Pike, but the man you have all tuned in to hear from, the former Illawarra Hawks and Sydney Kings power forward, the Warwick Senators captain, Cody Ellis. How are you doing this week? Good, mate. Good. Um, yeah, look, another big round of, uh, of NBL. But, uh, look, it's starting to get to that point of the year where I think everyone's ready for finals. And because there's not really going to be a whole lot of movement, um, you know, kind of making that top four, um, I think everyone's pretty ready for the for the finals to uh, to come around the corner. Especially if you're one of those bottom teams. I think yeah. you can't wait for a drained. I mean, you were lucky enough to not be in that position during your career where you were preparing for finals, but you also were a part of a couple of teams mm -hmm. that were well and truly done by this point of the season. How tough is it to keep playing out a season when you know that you're not really playing for anything? Oh, it's tough. It's tough. And, you know, as much as, you know, it's a professional sport and, you should be playing through the end. Those last couple of games, especially when there's no chance, um, it's tough. But at the same time, you, you know, you, you get that bit of free reign. You play with freedom. You, yeah, you do. Yeah. And, and you know, some of these teams are starting to show that um, in patches and mm. obviously some guys coming off contract. So you, you're mm. trying to prove that um, you, you want to be re-signed, whether it's the team you're in or, or someone else. Absolutely. We'll go through some of those teams and, and what they might be doing and trying to get out of these last two weeks as well as we go on, Cody. But we'll focus on the finals bound teams first. I'll go through the results that we saw in round 19. And we saw some interesting results going way back to Thursday night. And the South East Melbourne Phoenix, not for the first time this season, and to be fair, it's probably in double figures the amount of times they've done this now, yeah. shot themselves in the foot against Melbourne United and their finals chances went with it. Melbourne United got the win in the throwdown, 90 to 88 wasn't pretty at REC Arena, but the Perth Wildcats didn't lose for a fourth straight time mm. and got that win over their New Zealand breakers. Tasmania Jack Jumpers had to do it tough against the Cairns Taipans. It wasn't until Scotty Machado went down injured that they got on top, but they kept their season alive with the 87 to 80 victory. This was an ugly one. The Laura Hawks, though, they looked impressive. The equal highest score of the season they put up, 108 winners over the Brisbane Bullets, 77. Also Saturday night, 36 has actually made the Sydney Kings work for this one, but the Kings made it 11 straight, winning 84 to 77. Then Sunday, South East Melbourne Phoenix. The, the final margin flatters the breakers a little bit. The Phoenix were a bit more dominant than that suggests, winning 99 to 89. And then also on Sunday, this one blew out as well, especially in the second half. Melbourne United, 92 over the Cairns Taipan, 63. And Monday night, a, fr a bit of a free hit for both teams who are out of the running. Brisbane Bullets beat the Adelaide 36ers 93 to 85, even without Robert Franks. What are your major takeaways before we dig a little bit deeper into that, Cody? Uh, look, there's not a whole lot to take away from this weekend. Um, you know, teams that 
should have got it done, really did. Mm. Um, the Phoenix are probably the only ones that, um, you know, just, again, drop the ball. Yep. Like you said, it's probably double-figure times now mm. that we've said, look, they've been in that chance to to win an important game and they've just let it slip through their fingers. Um, you know, all those games come down to one or two possessions throughout yep. that whole game. Yep. And they've lost pretty much all of those games. And, you know, you win half of those, mm. all of a sudden you're probably in the four right now. Well, they're still only two, and, ga- still only two games yeah, out, so, yeah. so, so it's, that's how close it is for them. It is. And, like I said, it, it's, it's plays here and there throughout the game. It, it's... It's very rarely the very end of a game where yeah. you actually lose it. You know, there's plays throughout all four quarters that are super important to that end result. And I think Simon Mitchell's pointed out offensive rebounds and, and the turnovers, that, those were the two areas that cost them in that game against Melbourne and, yeah. and the week before as well. And it's tough to win if you're giving up points off turnovers and mm-hmm. giving up second-chance points. Yeah, and, you know, Melbourne are very good at that. You know, they've got some big bodies that are really good rebounders and then they've got some great defenders that do cause you to speed up and, and turn it over. So, you know, against a studded United team, um, you have to keep those things down. You have to keep those turnovers down. You have to play at your own pace. You have to box out. Um, but, yeah, like I said, those, those little things, just they hurt you. Hmm. Is the top four set. Can you see any hope for the Jack Jumpers? We'll, we'll set the scene a little bit. So the Jack Jumpers finish with a... A game against the New Zealand Breakers, an away game against the South East Melbourne Phoenix, and then at home to Melbourne United. They clearly have to win all three of those. Yeah. Do you give them any hope? Oh, look, there's a glimmer of hope, but realistically, I don't think so. Mm. Um, it's going to come down to whether the Wildcats can you know, string some home wins uh, together yeah. as well. Um, those three games that the Jack Jumpers have are all with loaded rosters, really. Mm. Breakers obviously underachieved this year, but... You know, on paper, they're, they're an amazing squad. Sure. And, yeah. and when they're firing, they're tough to play yep. against. Phoenix, again, you never know what you're going to get, unfortunately. Um, and they're a lot smaller against them. That's the concern are. against the Phoenix for, yeah. for Tasmania. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they, they really don't have anyone to, to guard their bigs. Mm. Um, and then United. United are United, but that's going to be the last game of the year. So you don't mm. know if you know, they're going to rest players or what they're going to do. Well, Melbourne could be still playing for top spot. We're, yeah. not, we're not quite sure. Yep, yep. So... It really, it's going to come down to to those last couple of games, but I I don't think they're going to make it at all. I, I think yeah. the four is set. So if they win all three of those, they get to seventeen wins. Mm-hmm. So they need the Wildcats to slip up. Their percentage is a lot less than the Wildcats as well. So they they need to finish with more wins than the Wildcats. So they can only afford Perth to win one of their last four games. So the Wildcats obviously all all these games are at home. Mm-hmm. They've got the thirty sixes and the Taipans this week, and then they've got the Hawks and the Phoenix. It's probably not the run home that the Jack Jumpers would have been hoping to see for the Wildcats. No, especially those first two games. Yeah. Um, you know, Adelaide come into here with the 40th anniversary game. Yeah. The Cats should be able to get up for that, yeah. realistically. The Taipans without Machado is what we're probably going to think. Yes. Um, again, they're just a completely different team without, yeah. without Scott out there. Um, Hawks. The way, the way they're playing, yeah. that's going to be a big one. That's going to be a big test for the Cats. Mm. Um, and then the Phoenix, again, you never know. So, so the Jack Jumpers need the Wildcats to lose three of those. Yeah, not ideal. The Hawks is the one that you, you can probably see them possibly losing. Yep. Who else can step up to do it? Oh, look, the Phoenix have the potential to. Mm. Um, and again, you, you've probably got guys, I'm not sure of contracts who's in and out of contract, mm. but you've probably got guys fighting for contracts as well. 
Um, Mitch Creek might want to put another zero on the end of his. Well, that's it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think they'll come in nothing to lose and, and try, you know, throw some haymakers. Um, but out of those last two, you, you really couldn't see the Cats losing against Adelaide or, or Cairns. But again, you know, the Cats aren't playing really good basketball no, at the moment. No. So there's a chance, but I, I can't see that. I wouldn't, even say you, I wouldn't even say that they look great against the Breakers. No. They, they were probably lucky they were playing the Breakers mm-hmm. that night because I'm not sure they would have beaten too many other teams the way that they played. No, not really. They did what they needed to to get the win. Hmm. Um, and again, it's just... it's. Seeing how important Mitch Norton is to that squad. Absolutely. And you know, hopefully he can come back and get a few games under his belt before mm. finals. What are you hearing? How close is he? Is he any chance for, for this weekend? I haven't spoken to him recently. Um, but, look, I, I hope so. I really hope so because he was playing some really good basketball before he got hurt. Mm. You play really good basketball, then you get hurt, your confidence kind of takes a bit of a hit. Yeah. So, and it's not like he can come straight back when you've no. missed the time that he has and... Be right at the top of your game. It takes yeah. a little bit of time to pick it back up. It does, and we've seen that with Zay, of course. Yep. Yep. Um, where, I mean, he's, he's been playing decent, but still not to the level that mm. he was at before he got hurt. Um, and, and a guy like Nordo, who is all effort, I think yep. he will get back fairly quick, but it's still going to take a game or two for him to get into the full swing. Of he things. relies on a big tank as well. Yeah. That takes a game or two to get back to. Oh, for it? sure. His wind will be uh, knocked out in that <laughs> first few, few games. So I reckon the top three are locked in. They're not going to miss the finals. It's just a matter of what order we get now. And it's probably worked out fantastic that the Kings and the Hawks, there's still a chance to finish top if United slips up, but they're probably more likely to finish second and third and to end up playing each other in the semifinals. And it turns out nicely that they're playing each other twice in the, in the run home. So if you look at the Hawks, they play the Kings this Thursday night, then they come to Perth to play the Wildcats next week, then they finish in Sydney against the Kings and obviously the Kings have got those two games against the Hawks in between they play the 36ers at home and then they go up to Cairns to play the Taipans which one of those two finishes the higher whether it's whether it's you know first or or second who finishes higher out of those two oh look that's that's a tough one um look I I, Kings got just over the line in their game this weekend they did what they needed to United, again, not playing great basketball, mm. doing enough. Hawks are kind of the team that's surging right now. Yep. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So the Kings are on the 11-game winning streak. Yeah. The Hawks have won six straight. But yeah. I think you're right. Sydney didn't look that great against no. Adelaide. So do you think the Hawks are looking the best out of them right now? At the moment, if, if you had said before this weekend, mm. it'd, it'd still be the Kings, I yep. think. Yep. But, um, yeah, a bit of a speed bump this weekend for them. So at, at the moment, you'd, you'd probably say the Hawks are playing the best. But, you know, Kings proved that they can get a win even with their stars not yep. doing what they need to. Um, oh, you're right. Adams and Martin didn't have great games. And no. it, was probably, it was probably Cooks that yeah. was the one that had the biggest game out of, out of their, their stars. Yeah, and that's good. You know, the, the fact that the supporting cast can, can yeah. get it done against the teams that they need to. And, you know, if you, if you have guys like, like Martin having a, a down game, mm. it's, it's good to have it against those teams that aren't really pushing for that top spot. Um, rather than come finals and, and have those down games. Look, man, I, it really is a toss of the coin. I, I can't pick it. Um, Do you think Melbourne finishes, finishes first? I think so, purely from what they've got left. The thing they've got in their favour is they've got the best percentage, so they, yeah. they would need to finish on a win less than the other teams to, yes, to drop to below. Drop, so yeah. that's almost another win for them. So they're, they're already on 18 wins and 
it's going to be tough to see them some see, see them lose. And they probably have to lose at least two of those last yeah. three, and they've got Brisbane, they've got Cairns, and they've got Tasmania. Yeah, and I honestly I can't see them really dropping any of those. Mm. I think uh, I think they'll get it done for the rest of the year and and finish on top, um, which is probably where they belong. Uh, I think throughout the whole season, they've the you know they've set the bar pretty high and. Um, Kings and Hawks have kind of made late pushes. Yeah, um, Cats are always there, but I think United has been uh, has been the best team all year. Yeah, I don't know if their absolute best perhaps is as good as what Sydney and the Hawks can do. Mm. But what Melbourne does that, that those other two teams can't do is that make they make themselves really hard to play against. So the other team just can't reach their top level against them, which is probably why they probably still deserve to be just about favourites because. Even if you're the Kings and the Hawks and you go into a final series against Melbourne firing, it's going to be tough to play your best against against them. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, I, I think we're still yet to see all the United players firing at the same time sure. as well. Yeah. Um, you know, Agata's been not as good as, mm. as he was to start the season. Yeah. Building's had some big games, mm. but, um, you know, he's had some down ones as well. Well, Achul has kind of put himself... Down a few spots in that MVP yeah. race. Um, you know, he hasn't been the same. Um, and then you've got guys like Huck Porty who have got better and they've, they and they've added Barber. So yeah. some guys have dropped off a little bit, but other guys have, have stepped up, which is... And, and Shay Ely, I mean, he's, he's got better and better as the year's gone on. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Shay's going to give you what he does and mm. you know what you're going to get out of him. Jack um, White too. Well, that's it. Jack White mm. has, has been really good and I think he's gotten better throughout the season with, with confidence, just building. Obviously, at the start of the year, you kind of saw him a bit hesitant, yep. um, which is totally understandable, come back from that injury. But, uh, yeah, look, they are, they are stacked. They've got one of the deepest rosters. Um, you know, you've got guys like Yuli and Barlow mm. coming off as, you know, <laughs> seven, eighth, ninth on the bench. Yep. So, yep. yeah, they've certainly got enough talent there. I want to get your thoughts on Dorp Reith's game against the Bullets for the Hawks on Saturday. Um, I know it was only against the Bullets, but he had a really quiet game Last time they played Brisbane and Robert Franks got the better of him. I don't know if he could have played a better game than what he played on, on Saturday. He had he finished with 28 points, 11 rebounds, and he shot 13 or 15 from the field. I don't know if he could have done much more, could he? I mean, yeah, that that was just lot. about the perfect game. Yeah, it was. No, he was, he was really good. And um, it's what you get out of Duop. And I think that needs to be what he gives you. Again, he got the ball. You know, he touched the ball and he was a difference maker. Um, even in a 30-point game, you know, mm. he's, he's a big reason why they, they blew out that, that game. And he's, he's so talented. And on pretty much any other team, you'd, you'd see him shooting 15 shots minimum sure. every game. Yep. Whereas, you know, on this team that's, that's got a lot of guys that, that probably need the ball, mm. um, he doesn't get as many shots. But when you're as efficient as that, then uh, it's tough. I, I just think he was extra motivated to for that matchup with Franks. I remember yeah. after the last game, I asked Robert Franks how proud he was about being able to play well against mm-hmm. Duop and get the better of that matchup. And I'm sure that Duop was pretty pretty determined to bounce back and, gee, he couldn't, he couldn't have done it any better. Oh, for sure. And, you know, that's... You've got to be pretty happy with yourself when, when a player of Franks' level is, mm. is happy that, yep. you know, he plays so well against you. But then, yeah, it's that added uh, bit of incentive when you play mm. next time. And yet he certainly uh, showed up ready to go and showed us what he can do. The other thing I wanted to mention about Duop was post-game I noticed on his, on his wrist tape he had the initials AR written, written on his wrist and um, that was obviously for Aliyah Riak and I wasn't planning on talking to him about it but I did ask him mm-hmm. 
about, about that and just to confirm that it's, it's yeah. what it was. And, yeah. he, and he said that, you know, uh, we've talked about Aliyah and then the tragedy and he's, he's in our thoughts and, and it was, it's a devastating thing that, that happened. But it's, it's nice to see that Duop is remembering him and, you know, honouring him and playing for him. And he talked about how he was like a little brother to mm-hmm. him because they grew up in a similar part of Perth and, and they would have known each other very well. And I just thought that was a, a nice touch. Yeah, for sure. And he's, he's had that written on there for a couple of weeks now. Mm-hmm. I, think. I noticed it um, with a round after it happened. Um, yeah, look, you're right. Um, I remember when I first heard the news and then about an hour later, the Hawks game started. Mm. And uh, watching that and wondering if he knew about mm. it and you know, just trying to pick up and, and see how he's playing. Yeah, because that would have been on the Sunday morning they yeah. had the first game on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, they had that yeah. first game, that early game on Sunday. But yeah, look, and they were obviously very close. Grew up playing together around the corner from yeah. where we are right yep. now. Um, so yeah, look, that's that's awesome and um, yeah, it's it's very good to see. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. Mm. I like the touch. I was a bit, I wasn't sure if I should bring it up or not, but yep. I, I was glad. I was glad that I that I did. The other thing, the NBL is doing a lot of great things over the last few years, and we've seen how big the Next Stars program has taken off. The other thing they've done is provide a spot on each roster to bring in a player from from Asia, and I, we're seeing it take off right now. And this weekend was the best example of it. I think Joe Chi played his best weekend for the for the Phoenix. Big Lou with the Bullets had his best two games as well. Yep. And Kai Soto, especially on on Monday night against the Bullets, played his best game as well. Put up twenty one points. Mm-hmm. It's just great to see these guys getting to play at a level in their home countries that they probably wouldn't get to get to and and develop the way that, that they that they have. Sure, um, it's it's been really good and like you said, this round was uh, was certainly a showcase for all mm. of them. Yeah, it was funny watching watching that game yesterday with uh, with Big um, Soto. Yes, um, I, w- I was I was talking to the wife and you know she was wondering how tall he was. I was mm. like, oh, he's like. I think he's seven. He's two. seven two. He's seven yep. two. Yep. But he he got made look small, <laughs> right? And, yeah. Um, yeah. Lou's seven five. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and I had to explain to Lauren that Big Lou is he's, he's a monster. <laughs> you know, and he made Kai look tiny. Yeah. It doesn't help that Kai's probably a bit skinnier than, yes. than him as well. Yep. But yep. Um, no, look, I, I think it's really good, and it's something that has helped the league with its viewers and all that because you've got all those countries yep. now tuning in and it's awesome it's great and i think they've uh, they've all stepped up and and proven that they can they can play on this stage yeah kai soto talked afterwards about how it was a bit a bit strange for him mm. to have a guy bigger bigger Much than bigger. him and, and a guy that made him feel small yeah. he said he felt small out there yeah. which wouldn't happen to him very often no. how have you seen his development this year to me i think he's coming along nicely mm-hmm. but he's probably still not ready to make the next jump no. if i was to give him advice and He's not going to listen to my <laughs> advice, but I would I would come back to Adelaide next year, c- continue my development, nominate for the twenty twenty three NBA draft, and yep. I would have every expectation I could be a first round pick if I did that. Mm-hmm. If I nominate this year, I might be lucky to get picked in the top hundred, and yeah. and then you might have blown your chance. But what do you think? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you're spot on. He's uh, he's certainly grown this year mm. um, from where he started to even even the game yesterday. Yeah, he, he's been really good, but. You know those baby steps are happening, and I think he does need to come back for his development um, and even just confidence. Yep. I think yep. is a big thing. Um, he, he certainly needs to come back because you're right. If he if he declared this year, I don't think he'd get picked up. No, got to finish that tattoo as well. Well, that's it. Yeah, I know. Is that fresh ink? Yes. <laughs> the other one I wanted to touch on quickly was Usman Jang. He looks like a different. Per- mm. You wouldn't recognise him if you watched a game at the start of the season to watching him now. He looks like a player that's ready to 
to dominate. Yeah. He, he can do absolutely anything on the floor, and to be able to do that at 6'10", it's pretty impressive. Um, I'm almost beginning to think he's a lottery pick right now. Yeah, he's getting there. He's mm-hmm. getting there. I think, again, you would just see him grow with confidence. It's, it's one of those things that not a whole lot of those guys on the Breakers team are firing no. at all, so he's coming out and saying, all right, well, I'm going to go get mine. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, he, he's certainly shown a lot. He, mm-hmm. He's shown a lot more than I thought um, at the start of the year yep. on what he had, but I still think he's got a long way to go mm-hmm. um, for sure. Top 10, I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sold on it. Yep. But, yeah, look, he, he's, he's been really good these past few weeks mm-hmm. and, and his um, confidence and, he, and his shots coming along and um, for someone that tall and, and long to have the handle he does and mm-hmm. plays slow and under control. Yep. Um, so it, it's really fun to watch. The one more thing I've loved about him is that he's actually playing defence now. Mm-hmm. He was horrible defensively Awful. early yeah. um, and he couldn't handle the physicality. He's now picking off guys. He's getting the passing lane and stealing and also blocking shots and yeah. that's a good sign too. Yeah, and that's just him evolving and understanding the game more. You know, he's so young mm-hmm. that especially growing up, defence is never taught properly. No, no. And especially when you're that talented, you, well, don't, that's it. you don't have to worry about it. No, not at all. You get hidden in the back of his own. You didn't have somewhere. to play it in under 14. <laughs> no, no. I was just bigger than everyone. That's, that was my uh, advantage. Um, but yeah, no, look, even, even for myself, it's only been in the past few years that I've really keyed in on defense. Mm-hmm. But it is a big and important part of the game. And, mm-hmm. and if, if he can flick that switch, um, he's got all the weapons to be a really good defender. Um, he reads it really well. He's long, he's athletic. And I think we're starting to see that. We'll keep going, Cody. I wanted to get your thoughts on the bottom four teams. We'll, we'll talk more about the Phoenix and the Jack Jumpers in coming weeks, but the four teams that have been out of finals contention for a while, I want to get your thoughts on if they should stick with their plan and bring a lot of their group back together and keep on the, on the, on the similar path and... Just top it up a little bit, or if you if they should virtually blow things up and, and start from scratch. Let's start with the New Zealand Breakers because I think naturally, when you take out Basson and, and Jing, who will be in the NBA, you start again. I can't imagine Peyton Siva coming back. You wouldn't imagine. Jason Randall certainly won't be back. Um, what do they do, and how much does things change for them when they actually get to go go back home? Yeah, it's it's a tough one because again, coming into the season, I thought they were a top four team yep. with their roster. Yep. Um, and they, they probably should have been. But, again, like lots of stuff comes into play there. They had so many injuries to start the year, mm. um, away from home from pre-season to yeah. now still. Yeah. Um, that, that really um, takes its toll. Yeah. And uh, I, think, I think they need to keep probably their core group together. Um, but you're right. Like imports-wise, imports I think Siva's probably gone. Mm. Randall's gone. Yep. Um, and then you got... The song was the third import, so he's yeah. naturally gone. Yeah. yeah. Him and, and Jang are probably go to the draft. Yep. So that's that's four pieces that you can hmm. add. Um, I, I don't know if you're going to pick up another two guys like Basson and, and Jeng no. um, as next stars, no. but... Uh, They've got a good record, though, now with next stars. If you add in RJ Hampton, they've done, mm. a, done a really good job. They have. And, you know, with, with their ownership, they've, mm. they've got that reach now. Yeah. So look, I think they've got some some of the best recruiting power mm-hmm. um, in the league, just with the guys in charge. Finn Delaney is the interesting one. Yes. Do you offer him a big contract, or do you potentially let him let him walk? Don't know. It, he's had a down year. 
Yeah. Look, last year he was really good. Yep. I think he was unlucky last year not to be all, all first team. Yeah, I agree. He's been nothing close to that level not even this close. year. No, not even close. Whether he's been playing with an injury or if he's just not being played in that role that makes him so successful, mm. um, it's hard to tell because yeah. he, he kind of just – he looks like he's been running around with the uh, chicken with his head cut off yeah, right now. It's, yeah. And with someone with his talents, it's, it's been hard to watch. Yeah. So, look, I think you want to – do everything in your power to keep him, mm. but you know you don't want to blow the budget mm. um, at the same time. Might be a good thing for him too to mm. get a fresh start potentially. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, just depends on, I guess, where and what uh, teams would yeah. be interested. So. Yeah, we want to follow the Adelaide Thirty Sixes are fascinating. So, I thought they had a really good looking roster. I thought their Australian contingent coming into the season was just about the best across the league. When you when they added in Mitch McCarron, they they still had Sunday Detch. They, they obviously had Daniel Johnson and Cam Besto, and if Isaac Humphreys was, was healthy, they just needed their two imports to deliver what they they hoped they would. Mm-hmm. None of that's really happened, and it's it's been a season that's been pretty poor. Yeah. At the same time, CJ Bruden didn't pick anyone on this roster except for Cam Besto and Hiram Harris, mm-hmm. and they've probably been just about their two best players. So yeah. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of change this offseason in Adelaide. Yeah, I think so. I think so, and I'm not sure how many of those guys are actually on contract. I don't think there's too many. I think from memory, it's only only McCarran, Sunday Detch, and DJ. Yeah, yeah. So, look, DJ's had a down year from Mm. his standards. Um, Macca is has finally, towards the end of the season, been more aggressive, like like what we've wanted out of him, and and obviously what CJ's wanted out of him. Um, Sunday's been Sunday. He's been he's been really good. Harris, again, he's, he's been awesome, mm. especially late in the season, yeah. just doing all the little things. Um, I think uh, he's, he's been a game-changer for them yes. in, in these past few games. Um, but, look, I think imports probably haven't been up to what we thought they were going to be, mm. um, us and, and probably the Sixers organisation. Yeah. But, uh, look, that, that happens. That happens. No Humphreys has been mm. a killer because yep. then they don't really have that big ball in there. No, no. Um, Kai has taken his time, or not taken his time, but he's taken a while to, mm. to get into the rhythm and, and understand how this game's refed and how mm. it's played. He's been really good now. so And really, if he had been behind Humphreys, that wouldn't have been a big problem. No. But because Humphreys was gone, that was sort of yeah. exacerbated a little bit. Right, and, you know, I, I don't know how much CJ wanted to play him earlier if he yeah. wanted to just ease him into it, which is totally fair with him being so young and mm. newly introduced to the league. And then Bairstow, just, again, just unlucky. He's been so unlucky with injuries. Yep. It's, it's tough to see because look what happened when he's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a force and, yep. and he was unreal. So, look, I, I think CJ's probably going to want to pick his own team. Hmm. Um, but there's certainly some guys in there that you'd, you'd want to re-sign. Yep. Can't type Andrew an interesting one too. Mm-hmm. I think it was only two weeks ago we were talking about how good it was to see them playing playing so well and, and finally finding their feet under 40. But he was anything but happy with that game on Sunday against Melbourne United and he didn't like the second half in Tasmania either and how they responded once Machado went down injured. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think they still need to try to build around Bull Kowal and, and Keanu Pinder. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I'm not sure how many other guys come back. Majuk Deng is certainly still signed, but yeah. I'm not sure how many others are coming back. Yeah, I'm not sure. And as much as I've loved... McCall's game this year, he just doesn't do it for them. No. He, um, 
he's, he's a really good player, don't get me wrong. And at the start of the year, he was probably one of my favourite imports mm. to watch, um, just purely from his energy. But he just... Uh, I, Even I, though some of his numbers look okay at the end of a game, he's so inefficient he in is. everything he does. Yeah, he is. To get and 15 points, it's bloody hard work for yeah. him to, to get those 15 points. Well, it is. And, he, and he's taken it to the rack and, you know, he's not getting calls, but he's also... also doesn't get his teammates involved, does he? Not, Once he gets the ball, it's almost like Xavier Radden May is what we talked about. Mm-hmm. He just dribbles the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does a bit, and that's obviously been his game, and that's what's mm. made him successful. So that, that's a tough one, and you inject him back into the lineup, and then you know they, they don't play as well as they have been. Mm. Um, like we said with Nordo and the Cats, we, we've seen how important a healthy Machado is yep. for that squad. Yep. You know, first half against the Jack Jumpers, they were really good. He was he was know? he was just getting his groove back, yeah, wasn't he? He was, and and Cans ride him. Ride his back like that. And I think that with him going down, you know, what, he went out and they were up 10. I think so. Yeah, yeah, they were. And then they just got blown away completely after that. They did. That. They yeah. did. And it's just that that court general that they don't have. Yeah. And that's something that McCall's got to learn. Mm. Um, he's not know. a point guard, though, is he? I don't he's think. not. He's yeah. not a point guard. So that makes it tough. But uh, Just we'll touching on that, though, with Machado, the emotional toll it took on the team was significant. I... We haven't heard what the injury is or the seriousness mm-hmm. of it, but Forty was emotional about it. His teammates were emotional straight away. It, it seems like it could be something pretty serious. Yeah, and I hope not. Um, I haven't heard much no. or anything about it. But uh, you never want to see uh, someone injured, um, let alone someone that's been in your program and, and ingrained in that program yeah. for a while now. Yeah. So, yeah, look, thoughts out, and I'm hoping that it's nothing... Serious, but yeah, I, I don't think we'll see him again this year. Then there's the Brisbane Bullets. I don't, they're the great enigmas of this season because they, they can still play great, and their their performance on Monday night with Frank's going out of the team was was really good, and they and they had a lot of guys step up. Um, Patterson and Kadee provided some good leadership, but there was Deng Deng, there was Tom Digba, Jack Salt even had some some good good moments as well. They had a lot of guys step up in that game, but two days earlier they lost by thirty to the Hawks, and they were horrible. Um, that's been sort of the story of their season. They've lost some games from unlosable positions mm-hmm. as well that they've, they've thrown away, especially that one against the Kings. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Do you, if you're James Duncan, do you want to start again, or is there enough there to continue to, to build on? I think there's enough there. there. There's certainly enough there, and you take a guy like Nathan Sobey out of your lineup, mm-hmm. and it completely changes. Yep. Um, and then you take Big Ty out as well. Sure. He's, he was really good for them early. You, you lose your starting centre a lot in your starting point guard. Well, exactly. Yeah. And that's two big pieces to any team. Yeah. From more reports, the club is really high on Ty, and mm-hmm. rightfully so, sure. because he's, um, he's been really good. And his uh, growth over the past year and a half has been awesome. It's been really mm-hmm. good to see. Nate Sobey coming off you know a boomer stint mm-hmm. where um, he got to train and play against some of the best players yeah. in the world yeah. for a period of time and he came into the season pretty good yep. and then gets hurt and is sidelined for the, for yeah. the rest of the season which is, is frustrating mm. um, Jace Cadiz had to step up a bit yep. and, and start putting points back on the board um, which he'd gone away from a bit I mm. think he'd become more of that facilitator yep. um, but it's good to see him firing again mm. Patterson seems to enjoy playing against Adelaide doesn't yeah, he? he does yeah he does <laughs> Yeah, look, Patterson, he's a beast. He's, mm. You know, I, I think you probably bring him back and hope yep. he comes back in decent shape again. Digbo has been really good this past couple of games. Yeah. Like, you know, we were saying it 
the same thing over and over, but confidence is just starting to ooze mm. from him. And mm. again, he's just kind of been let off the leash and he'd go play basketball. Is he similar to Soto where if he comes back for a second year, mm. he could be ready for the NBA this time next year, but it might be 12 months too early for him right now? Yeah, I think so. I think mm. so. I think if he declared now, it would be a bit of a mistake. I don't think he'd get picked up. Mm. So, yeah, I think it would be beneficial for him to come back mm-hmm. and, and play with this confidence that he's got now. Mm. Because he could make an impact, especially on that Bullets team. Yeah. Deng Deng's been had some good games. Yep. Again, stepped up. But look, I, I don't think you change too much. Mm. Um, you know, Isaiah Moss is... They can clearly upgrade on that 13 port spot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's that's a tough one. You know, you, you hope you get Franks back. but mm. uh, Maybe an import point guard is what they need. Possibly. It, possibly. T- it takes the pressure off Sobe to be the main ball handler a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And kind of have him and him and Jace play off the ball and, mm. and be those scoring threats. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, th- I think that's a really good point. So, look, you don't, you don't throw the house away here. I think you've got a really good core group mm. and I think there's lots to work with. I think, again, they just got unlucky this season with, with injuries and, you know, losing two of your starters is, is yeah. never good. From what you've seen, does James Duncan look like he's the right man to be, to be leading them to? Um, look, I, I think... Probably need another year to tell. Yep. Um, it, it's always hard to tell first-time coaches mm. after their first season, yeah. especially with teams that they probably didn't necessarily have too much input mm-hmm. into. Yep, it's interesting. It was probably CJ that had the biggest input putting that Brisbane team together, yeah. and then he ends up coaching a team that he had no input yeah. putting together. Yeah, exactly. So look, I, you obviously give him another another chance, and it's it's hard to sack a coach, especially a first-year coach, after you lose. Two of your starters mm-hmm. you know, mid-season. Yep. Well, do all those coaches come back? Dan Shamir at the Breakers, CJ Bruton at the 36ers, Adam Ford at the Taipans, and Duncan at the Bullets. Do they do they all come back? I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure about the Dan Shamir one. Mm. But again, they've played on the road for two straight years now. Yeah. So you, you kind of feel like he deserves a chance to at least coach a normal season. A normal season, season. Yeah. exactly. So, well, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but I, I think they all probably deserve at least another crack at it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cody, we haven't got our votes in the Demo Award or the Redditch Award just yet because we'll wait until round 19 officially finishes and we'll get that to you as soon as we can. But we can decide our round 19 winner of the Galen Award for the best team man in the NBL. I actually had a little bit of a tough time to be inspired mm. this week a yeah. little bit. I've actually gone with a couple of coach nominations, first of all. Scott Roth felt that Jared Besto was the difference maker for his team. Um, in the second half, especially with his hustle and offensive rebounding yep. for the Jack Jumpers against the Taipans, so I've thrown him in there. Simon Mitchell nominated Owen Foxwell as his MVP of his team mm-hmm. in their win against the Breakers as well on, on Sunday. Um, and he took a little shot at some of the criticism he caught from playing him against Melbourne United a few days earlier, and he was really happy with what he got out of the 18-year-old. So I thought I'd throw him in the mix too, because it's not easy to come out and, as an 18-year-old and and throw yourself against the guys that he did against Melbourne. Yeah. And he held his own against, you know, Daly and Shaili and, and Butler and, and Golding. And then he did the same against the Breakers and he played against Seaver and Basson and, and, and the like. And he did pretty well. Um, so I thought I'd throw him in the mix. And then we've got the two usual, usual suspects. And Antonius Cleveland had another cracking game mm-hmm. for the Hawks against the 
the bullets. Not only did he produce a lot, but he also shut down Lamar Patterson like we haven't seen Lamar shut down, yep. I think, just about ever before. Oh, yeah. I think Lamar had three points on one of nine shooting, I think, and, and Cleveland was a big factor in that. And Xavier Cooks was just about back to his best and re- really good for the Sydney Kings in, in the win that they had in Adelaide as well and just doing all of the Xavier Cooks things. Do you want to go with one of those, Cody, or did somebody else grab your fancy? Yeah, look, it's... Again, it's, it's a tough round. It's almost the opposite problem this round than it we've is. had previously. Yeah, it is. And look, one person that I will throw in there, and not necessarily just because of this weekend gone, but um, Hiram Harris, mm, I think. Absolutely. Um, over the last couple of weeks, has probably been unlucky not to, not to get a nod in mm, this mm. Uh, ward, um, purely for the fact that some of those top four teams that were getting big-time wins mm. had guys stepping up to yeah. the plate. Look, I thought, I thought Bairstow was... Was really good, um, hmm. you know. He's he's shown glimpses, but I don't think he's really kind of solidified his spot in that rotation yet. Well, um, he, had, he has some DNPs from t- yeah, time to time. Yeah, and it's tough for a guy. What you know, he's not an offensive threat hmm. by any any yeah. means, um, but he he does all the little hustle stuff. Hmm. So. That's, that's a tough one. He did that's what he could right. against Jawai, though. He, oh. he tried. He tried to hold his ground yeah. as much as he, as much as he could. Yeah, exactly. And that's not an easy feat <laughs> no. for anyone, <laughs> let alone an undersized four man. Really, you spent a couple of weeks training, training with the Taipans. How, yes. how did how did you go in in practice against? Thankfully, him? I didn't have to guard Nate too many okay. times. Okay. Um, yeah, no, that was uh, that was Fab Krislovic that, uh, that got to <laughs> to do that. Yep. So um, no, I was uh, I was in there guarding. Uh, lousy, lousy. Time, yeah. So, yep. Yeah. No, Nate is not someone that you want to <laughs> no. be uh, be trying to stop when he with his back to the basket because mm. it's a uh, no mean feat. So yeah, look, I think he was really good. Again, Foxwell was awesome. Mm. Just again, energy. Um, I don't like that he, that Mitchell's getting criticism for that because no. you know what, the guys that are earning all this money are not yep. proving that they deserve to actually play. Yeah. And he didn't look out of his depth. No, he didn't. He, he held his own. No, he did. And I thought he was really good against some world-class players yeah. or world-class point guards, really, yep. in, in that Melbourne game. Didn't back down. Didn't look like an 18-year-old. Mm. You know, he, he looked like he'd been there and done that. Yep. So that was really good. Cleveland just being Cleveland. Mm. This is, you know, him and Zave just two games that we've come to know yep. by this point of the season. So th- those two are tough ones. I think this week I, I want to give it to Hiram. Mm. Just purely for the fact that I think he's been unlucky the, the past couple of weeks. And, Except, um, are we willing to break our rules though? I know, with the no win. I know, I know, it's a tough one. I'm willing it's, to go with him because I think he's yeah. unlucky that he hasn't got a nomination right, yet. Right, and I think, right. I, think, I, think, I think he deserves it. Yeah, it's more of a bending of the rules than a <laughs> yes. breaking, I yep, think. Yep, so, yep. look, I, I think he has been so good um, mm. for CJ and, yeah. and Adelaide. And, and you absolutely bring him back if you're Adelaide, don't you? Oh, you would, you would, definitely. Um, he's, he's certainly... Uh, earned that spot on the on the roster, mm. and and you would definitely sign him again. So I wouldn't see that changing. Um, so yeah, he he would get my nod this week.
Okay, Cody, let's take a bit of a break on Hoop 7's basketball hustle from, from ourselves for a little bit. We've been able to track down a special guest for this week. He's, he's the man who started off this season as the co-host of Hoop 7's basketball hustle. He's, he's moved on to some other things. He's a busy man right now, but he's still kind enough to be part of our family here. He's still providing his votes for the Demo Award as well, thanks to Everlast. And it's our pleasure to have Damien Martin back on the show. Okay, Damo, good to have you back with us here on the show. You're a, you're a you're a favourite of ours. You're still we still call you part of our family, but you've had a bit of a bit of a rough time. How are you travelling? Yeah, no, COVID came through the household, and my wife was the first one to test positive. And then on about day four, because we're close contacts, obviously we're all in the same house together. But by day four, my daughters and I were still negative, and I started to think, uh, you know, I'm going to get past this, and started to brag about it. And then, boom, the evening of day four, the night of day four, all three of us uh, tested positive, and my two daughters were pretty much asymptomatic. My wife had a few uh, cold and flu-like symptoms, and, yeah, karma came back to get me because I was the one that was... <laughs> Getting the hot and cold shakes, waking up in the sweats, headaches, so on and so forth. So I haven't quite shaken it, but uh, I am negative at the moment. We're quite negative now. So it was, uh, yeah, four of us getting it at the same time and four different examples of what COVID can do to you, I guess. Mm, I, hope you th- I hope you're through the worst of it now. Um, do we finally get to see you on our TV screens again this weekend, though? Yes, Sean was fantastic. He managed to uh, fill in for me the amount of times. I was like, hey, Redditch, uh, what are you doing tonight? I'm still in lockdown. So he was brilliant. So I'll be on tomorrow uh, for the game against Adelaide. And then I'll also do... Uh, so now Sean is actually in lockdown. He's a close contact because his wife, Gretchen, has it. So oh. hopefully Gretchen is, is asymptomatic and, and is totally fine. But they're all in lockdown. And as you know, with Redditch Academy, uh, he has all his basketball camps. Yeah, he's got all his camps. So he will be a very busy man trying to get people to fill in all his camps and make sure there's people to take sign-ins, which his wife and daughter normally do. And then obviously the coaching, which he leads from. So yeah, poor Sean. It probably couldn't have come at a worse time when you consider what he does for a living. But I'll, uh, I'll fill in for Shawnee on Saturday, which is also the 40th anniversary game where they're going to recognise uh, the history of the club and, and the team they selected. So, yeah, big big weekend coming up for the World Cup. Now, Cody and myself couldn't help but notice how Mike Ellis has been trotted out again to celebrate this 40th anniversary game and he's been put in the new uniforms, but they still couldn't have found a spot for him in the 40th anniversary team. We We couldn't help but notice that. Yeah, oh, look, Mike's, regardless of whether he makes these teams or not, you know, when you think of the Wildcats, you think of the Ellis family, and that's led by, obviously, Mike captaining the inaugural team. So, look, it's great that, you know, Mike still is, is willing to go out there and, and promote the club. He still comes to every single home game and easily could have had his names in that uh, 40th anniversary team, but he's a legend of the club. You just have to look up into the rafters and see his retired jersey and the respect he still receives from current players or he talked to former teammates and it's just a big part of who we are today and, and more importantly, where we began. Absolutely. But those uniforms look nice, don't they? They're going to look good out on the court. Yeah, I, I love the, the throwback round or the heritage round. I just think it's fantastic to, one, recognise the history of each club, but two, just going back to some of the old club, uh, the club colours and the, the logos. And it, I, I hope they bring back the short shorts one day. I say that now that I retire because they've got these short shorts on display 
at the Wildcats office, and it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're very, very revealing. Uh, yeah, I forgot just what those players in the first few years wore, and it's pretty funny to think they were out there running around in, in what would be considered, you know, even short shorts by mm. footy standards these days. <laughs> I remember going back about 10 years when we, when we might have done the first Heritage round, and we got... We got Mike to put a pair of those short shorts back on, and he, 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 he still loved them. <laughs> I know. Well, he's, still, he's still in shape, so he, uh, he still pull it off. But no, it's, it's a great round that all the players really get behind. And most clubs, I dare say the Wildcats will be no different, usually bring in one of the uh, retired players to talk about what the, the club means to them, what the terminology we use at the Wildcats is bloodline, and just honouring the bloodline that obviously began way back with, you know, Mike Ellis and, and his teammate that uh, got it all started 40 years ago. Now, speaking of the TV coverage, we started off this season when we were hosting this show together and we were making a big push to get lousy on our TV screens and it's, fi- it's finally happened. We, we finally got there. I love it. I absolutely love it. He's doing a great job. He, he was always going to be a natural at it, so hopefully this is uh, the first of many seasons to come with uh, with Lousy on the sideline in Cairns or wherever they need him because I think he's doing a terrific job. Did you have anything to do with it? Did you help help get him get him on there? Well, I like to think that obviously, you know, Larry Kessler listens into the show and uh, we didn't have to make any direct phone calls. He must just uh, have tuned in and thought, yeah, let's, uh, let's get him on. That's my story and I'm sticking to it anyway. Uh, I like it. That's that's the story I keep telling Lowe's as well. Um, speaking of people <laughs> that we have on the show, Adam Gibson's another one and I like to think that us getting back in touch with him for this show has helped you start up Pacific Sports Management alongside him as well. Yeah, you're exactly right. I actually phoned him after we interviewed him, you know, months ago. This is going back to probably December, early January. And I gave him a call afterwards saying, look, I know you're still with South East Melbourne, but just wondering what you're considering off the court or what you're currently involved in. Yeah, Pacific Sports Management have been involved in sports management, both for players as an agent and then commercial business, uh, commercially with different businesses and companies for 20-odd years. But they've focused on rugby league and they're one of their biggest in rugby league, probably the biggest, but they also branched out into the NFL about five years ago and the co-founders, Christian Gavinor, wanted to get into basketball and asked me if I'd oversee the expansion. So I've absolutely loved it, just getting back into junior basketball, you know, with the national champs currently on. I remember my agent, you know, he got in front of me when I was about a 16, 17-year-old. I was impressed by him. I didn't sign anything because obviously I was off to college and he was aware of that. So you don't want to break any rules, but if you can meet these kids and, and be a part of the journey, and I'm a huge advocate for going to college first and foremost. So, you know, can't get anyone on paper, but just seeing where they, they're currently at as teenagers representing their states to hopefully being a part of the journey to when they're playing professionally, whether it's here or abroad or, yeah, ultimately the NBA. So Gibbo's a big part of that expansion in the basketball. We've got Solomon Detch uh, and Damian Eves, who will be two of our agents here in the NBL, and then uh, we'll announce shortly an NBA agent and a, and a team in America as well. So, yeah, great way to stay involved in the sport uh, and just be a part of these talented kids' journeys and hopefully be able to offer some advice more than just securing contracts in a boardroom, so to help them evolve and plan for the future on and off the court. Oh, fantastic. And you made a nice segue there as well by bringing up the under-18s national championships right now. How good is it seeing Matty Knight coaching the WA country team? 
Yeah, exactly right. He's, he's been involved a couple of years now and he genuinely enjoys it. And imagine being a 15, 16, 17-year-old who probably went to some of, some of Matty's game when he was dominating the NBL and, and now he gets to pick his brain. And he's one of those guys that even though he was never loud, he was never really in the media whatsoever, but he's got a really good basketball IQ. So I hope he's able to articulate that and communicate it with the, the players he has because regardless of the results they may get, he's going to improve these guys um, that he's coaching because it's one thing to have a great career. It's, it's another thing to have a high basketball IQ and pass that knowledge on. And, and I believe he'll be capable of doing it. So loving, loving seeing what WA is doing. And, and obviously I'm a New South Welshman. So uh, yeah, well actually Metro just got picked by Tassie the other day, but they started really well with uh, a couple of wins over there. So yeah, the Nationals I think are some of the most fun basketball you can play growing up. Oh, fantastic. Now, I don't know if you've had a chance to have a close look at this demo, but Round 19 in the NBL, do you have any votes for us in the Demo Best Defensive Player Award? Oh, look, it's, it's hard to go past. You know, they've got that trio in Melbourne right now, uh, and they're doing some fantastic things. I love what Cleveland's doing. I know I've given Cleveland some, quite a few votes of late. They're the standouts right now. Sunday Death is always solid, but what Italy in particular and Cleveland are doing, uh, you know, I look at, you know, someone like a Jack White again. You know, he's just consistently there. either trying to draw charges, contesting shots, blocking some shots. So there's, I feel like there's a common theme week in, week out, and, uh, and they're trying to prejudice your voting, I don't know if I've seen a better defensive performance than what Antonio's Cleveland delivered on Lamar Patterson on Saturday. So I don't want to yeah. I don't want to com- complicate things for you, but gee, that's <laughs> a, I don't think anyone's ever shut down Lamar quite like what what he did. No, no, I had Cleveland for three again regardless. I'm, I'm actually just waiting to watch a replay of the Southeast as well because uh, I know that I probably haven't given many votes to Southeast. Not that that matters, but I just want to watch their game before giving the final uh, vote for this weekend. No, fantastic. Um, just quickly, Sean, Sean's been doing his Player of the Year voting and it's coming down to yeah. a very tight race with Bryce Cotton and Jalen Adams. If you had to split those two, which way would you go right now? Well, right now, because they're on a 12-game winning streak, it, it is easy to get caught up in the hype of Jalen Adams. And he, he only had to watch, you know, obviously the game against New Zealand, where he was one of nine in the first half, but then still finishes as player of the game. And he was just fantastic in the second half. So his influence on the game and on that club is obviously the biggest reason why they won 12 consecutive games. So... It's hard to go past Jalen. But what you've got to remember with Bryce, and this is no disrespect to Adams whatsoever, he is an absolute superstar and deserving of it if he wins it. But Bryce still does get guarded differently to any other player in the league because the focal point is get the ball out of his hands at all costs. So you see him faced with a lot more either double teams or hard shows because teams don't really want to switch because they saw what he did to, you know, someone like New Zealand who did switch and he just isolated them at the top of the key and, and you know, put on a, a special performance. Rick Law at the start of the year, I actually think he was a, almost not clear cut, but he would have been, you know, number one there for a while. So it, it's easy to go by the 
last two or three months. Adam, is dirt, you know, deservingly so, is number one over that period of time. But Vic Law, Bryce Cotton, you've got to consider those guys as well with how they've been all season. And Bryce, if you ask any defender, would probably say Bryce is the hardest guy to guard and the most unselfish scorer in the league. But take nothing away from Adam. So those are one, two, and three, in my opinion. But with what Sydney are doing right now and where they came from to where they are once Adam's returned, it's hard to go past him. Yep, absolutely. Um, last thing I'll get your thoughts on, Damo, and, and I'll let you go. Um, the Wildcats, what have you made of their recent form and do you feel like they can turn it on between now and, and the finals? And as Cody's talked about on the show the last couple of weeks, how much of a difference does Mitch Norton make when, when he comes back? Yeah, oh, look, I've just spoken about how good Jalen Adams is. I'm the most biased guy in the world, so I still think Bryce is the MVP of the league. And when you've got Bryce on your team, you're always a chance. Now, this team is more than just Bryce Cotton. I mentioned Vic Law, uh, you know, obviously Luke Travers, Jesse Wagstaff. All those guys are capable of winning a championship as is, but they have to all be at their best. And the person that brings them to playing their best style of basketball, in my opinion, is Mitch Norton because he can be out on the floor and be like, okay, they're switching at the top when Bryce is involved, so let's get us into all our on-ball switches with B with the ball in his hands. Okay, I can see that Vic is on the post with a mismatch. Let's roll it into him. He just really is the orchestra out there at the offensive end, but then he leads by example and, more importantly, leads with the pick-up point offensively. And this is where they need to have their bread and butter come finals because finals is a different beast and they won't be able to rely on being the highest scoring team in the league, uh, you know, with 90 odd points a game. So he will initiate that. I think getting Fraser back, because Fraser is a good defender, I think getting Fraser back with all the turmoil that was the last few weeks between injury and, you know, talk of John Brown and then not being able to get that deal done. He can just focus now on closing out the regular season well and getting some form going into finals. And I'll just be saying, hey, let's find that form at the defensive end because that's where we're going to need you the most. Matty Hodgson's finally playing, you know, his best basketball. And so what we knew he was all capable of. Luke Travis is a great defender. So you, you, you put those four guys out there with Bryce, who's a, a stealing machine. Jesse, who, you know, draws more charges than anyone else in the league. But defensively, that they have to improve, which they're capable of doing come finals, because like I said, it's a different beast in the finals. And uh, they show him they can score, but they've got to make sure that they're going to be able to consistently get stops, and that starts with Norto. Yep, excellent, excellent, Damo. I could easily have done a full episode with you. There's that much to talk about, but... Unfortunately, that's not it's not your job anymore, but it's been great fun catching up with you, Damo. I'm glad you can still be involved in the show and look forward to catching up with you again soon. Bye, my pleasure. Good hearing from you, Parky. All right, Cody, let's take a little bit of a different look at things now. And the WNBL Grand Final, we previewed the rest of the series last week and we were getting ready for Game 2 here in Perth. And, boy, didn't that turn out to be a pretty dramatic yeah. dramatic evening at Bendat Basketball Centre. Um, we talked about how in Game 1 the Lynx got to play things on their terms and when it was a, a fast-paced game, when it was a high-scoring game, they looked really good. Yeah. First quarter in that Game 2 was on their terms. I think they put up 28 points and they were looking very good, but... The Melbourne Boomers have been the best defensive team all season and for the rest of the series, really, they, they were able to slow the game down. They were able to play incredibly physical defence as well and, and played the game on their terms for the rest of that game too and then they ended up dominating game three. But just touching on game two, that finish, pretty dramatic. I think you were watching it, watching it live, Cody. Absolutely. What did you think? That was an amazing game, mm. an awesome game. And 
the, the disappointing thing is that I was fairly active on Twitter doing that and it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of other people around watching mm. it, which is, which, which is unfortunate. So I'm hoping that there were lots of people watching because, uh, man, that, that was uh, just the fourth quarter alone was, was unreal. Yep. Um, just big play after big play mm. by, um, by so many players, mm. not just one or two, it was everyone. I, th- I thought it was uh, a heck of a game and, and right there to be won by the Lynx yes. and, uh, you know, short free throw away from, from sending it to overtime and, <laughs> and you never know what happens um, in overtime. So An amazing finish. I mean, Marina Mabry was the she was reason. Awesome. She was the reason they were close enough. Oh, yeah. She, she hit some massive shots in that fourth quarter to keep them close. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't lack any confidence and, no. and rightfully so. I mean, when, you, when you've got the talents that she does. When she got fouled taking that three at the end, though, Got to hit the free throws before you celebrate, don't you? She mm. she, she was celebrating that she got fouled, yeah. and then she couldn't make the third no. to send it into overtime. Um, have you been in that position before where you're happy that you get fouled, mm. but you have to keep focused on the you do. foul shots, don't you? Yeah, you do. You do. I'm surprised that anyone was close enough to foul her. Um, mm. Just a silly silly reach. Yeah. Yep. So um, made the ref call it, and it was it was definitely a foul. Watching the replays, so. Um, yeah, look, she stepped up. Those first two free throws were cash. Mm. Never looked like missing. That third one, she kind of hitched at the top of her shot. Yeah. Souza left her hand, it looked short. Yep. Um, I'm surprised there was no one in there to rebound. Well, was, well like, no, I, yeah, I, I was at the game live and Ryan Patrick had, had got his team to pull back. So they were, they were back to prepare, assuming that she was going to make that yeah. shot and to avoid the boomers getting a good look. Right. Um, you know, because I think there was still point something of a second so, left. So, so, so they had pulled back deliberately to avoid the Boomers getting a shot off to try to win the game. So they had, did what the Bullets did earlier in the season yeah. and had banked in, banked on the free throw free being throw made, and, it, and, it, and yeah. it wasn't made. I've, I've learned not to trust the TV coverage of, mm. of time and score. Yes. But from memory, the TV coverage said it was only point two. I think it was point two. Yeah. Yeah. That's not enough time to get a shot off anyway. Mm. So. That, yeah, that was very confusing for me. Yeah. And you know what? The way it bounced off the rim. Could have got a tip in. The, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was the perfect miss for a tip in. Yeah. So, yeah, look, a bit of a missed opportunity there. But um, Boomers just, just pulled that game back and just made it a grind, mm-hmm. an absolute grind and played on their terms, like yeah. you said. And got it done. Got it done in the end and then went home to game three. And really, they, uh, they never really looked like losing that one. Again, kind of just over them and um, made it very tough for them to score. Yeah. I think it was just their physical defence. Yeah, I mean, Marina Mabry and Jackie Young were the key to everything that the Lynx did this season, but they just got beat up. I yeah. mean, I think those two games in four days, they they just had nothing left by that game on Saturday. No, they didn't. And even even in game two, Young, you could see, was just yeah. um, knackered. Oh, she, All her oh, shots were so short. Um, um, but the, I think it was just the physical defence that was played on her. Absolutely. And that's what would have been on the scout. You know, tough, tough all year. So you know, you just want to grind them down. That's mm. what they did. Yep. And you know, like you said, best defensive team all year, mm. and, and they showed that in those last two games yeah. for sure. Lindsay Allen was grand final MVP, especially in that game too. She was, <sighs> she could do anything she wanted, yeah. and her mid range game was was nice to watch. But yeah. the person I want to get your thoughts on is Kayla George because she's now a four time championship winner, one of the one of the greats of Australian basketball. Yeah. Obviously, a long time Australian Opal. Um, she was massive in that in that win too. Oh, she was awesome, and you know she's one of those energy players as well. Um, 
you know, she had sparks where, or bits of the game where her shot probably wasn't falling. Yep. Um, and honestly, for me, the best part of this series was, was her uh, post game interview <laughs> with Lena Hussway yes. after the game too. Yep. Um, so that was that was awesome, and and you know everyone got to see Kayla and mm-hmm. how she is away from the court, and <laughs> yep. um, she's very fiery and, mm-hmm. and up tempo kind of a person. And no, look, she's uh, she's an amazing player, and she's proven. You know, she, she's definitely one of the greats that's been um, around the league for for a while now. I think the action on court was fantastic, and I think it was a really high quality WNBL season overall, but. There's some concerns about the way the league's run right now, I think, and it just doesn't seem to be put in front of enough people to, to mm-hmm. see it right now. I mean, probably a discussion that will take longer than, a, than 60 seconds, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you think needs to be done to raise the profile of it a little bit to, to bring it up to something similar to where the NBL is? Because right now it's unfortunately just a, a step below. Yeah, and look, the talent's there. Across the board, the talent's there. I mean, you just have to look at the grand final series mm. to see yeah. that. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's trying to get it and push it under people to watch it, mm. really. And whether that's having it as a precursor to mm-hmm. NBL games yeah. or what, I, I understand that you want to separate the leagues. Um, you know, the NBA and the WNBA completely separate. Yeah. Um, but just little things, little things that... You know, you, you can't schedule a grand final game the same night as local NBL teams yeah. playing and at the same time. Yeah. Um, that can't happen. You don't want to force people to choose. No, because it's, it's not. The unfortunate reality is they might not choose the WNBL. Well, and they won't, and it's been proven, yeah. you know, there's a couple of games. So it's frustrating, but I'm hoping that the league looks at that a bit and, and makes adjustments next season and... I think the talent's going to be just as good. Yep. So hopefully lots more people tune in. You can't do this again because it was just the circumstances, but last year actually t- turned out well where they got to play in the North Queensland mm-hmm. hub and it, they got their season finished before the NBL even started. Yeah. And, and they were actually able to get a lot of people watching as a result, but unfortunately you probably can't do that again. But it, it did w- turn out well in, in that sense and showed that if it's given some clean air, people will tune in. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And... You know, it's tough. It, it's kind of run at the perfect time of the year where yeah. we can get those WBA girls yeah. come down and play. So, yeah, you're right. You, you probably can't do that again and, and go play in the hub mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and get it over with before the NBL season. But you've got to make adjustments. And, yeah. you know, that's just the reality. If, if you want that talent here, then you, you've got to run it when, when you do, mm-hmm. when it is run now. So tough one. Lots of decisions to be made, I mm-hmm. think, this offseason. Also, Cody, before we get to round 20 in the NBL, the NBL 1 West season got underway last week. It did. I don't think you gave away on the show, but we knew you weren't going to play on Friday night, but you were there cheering your Warwick Senators on and you almost stole it against the Perry Lakes Hawks. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty good game and across the, across the board, there was some pretty exciting action. What did you make of your team's performance and what you might have seen from some of the other teams? Yeah, and look, when we did the show, I was still... I thought I'd still had a chance to play, for mm-hmm. sure. And it wasn't until probably the day of the game that we'd we'd put it away and said, no, nah, not not tonight. So which which is unfortunate and you know, I hate sitting there and watching when, yep. when I can't be involved yep. and um, I remember your dad having to force you to sit out a couple of games when yeah. you were, it was probably when you were just fresh off the grand final season. Yeah. And you wanted to come back and play straight away and he, yeah. he just had to tell you just, yeah, just sit out for a week or two. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's tough. That's tough mm-hmm. to do. We played really well. Um, 
considering, you know, we, we had a couple outs and, you know, we had CD who was only probably a week out of, out of COVID. Mm. Um, we had Brian Michaels who... How many times had he trained with you? Four or five, I think. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, look, we had he a lot of... He still put up, what, 39 points, was 37, it? 37. 37, yeah. I did say that I thought he or CD might have to put up 40 for us to win, <laughs> and he puts up 37 and we lose by two. So, you know, I was fairly accurate. But um, Corbs was awesome. He had a, a very typical Corbin Row game. Mm. I think he had eight, eight and eight. Mm. Um, and led the charge defensively, and I think that's where we brought ourselves back into the game in the second half. Mm. Um, first half, we kind of let Perry Lakes run on us and hit the open shooters and all mm. that sort of stuff and just kind of we weren't really sticking to our game plan and our scout. Mm. So, But, look, man, I, I thought, especially the second half, I thought we were unreal. Mm. And defensively is, is where we turned the game and um, obviously some fairly handy offensive players on mm. our roster that, uh, that helped drag us through it. And lots of the young guys stepped up really well, mm. um, which, is, which is very promising. Across the rest of the league, look, there's so much talent, man. It's it's crazy. I want to get your thoughts on Rockingham because I watched someone there came on Saturday night, and there was times when on the floor at one time they had Tom Jervis, Greg Hire, Devondrick Walker, and Marshall Nelson, and and Ryan Godfrey, Ryan who Godfrey. hasn't might not have played NBL, but he's been a great of this league. It's not a bad collection. It's fairly, <laughs> fairly good five right there, right? And yeah, and like I said, it's it's going to take some teams some time to, to get into the rhythm of things. Not a whole lot of pre-season games were played this year due to COVID yep. and, and all that. And I'm, I'm sure lots of teams have been hit by COVID as well. So you don't know how players are going to respond to that and how, how long it's going to take you to come back. But um, there, there is some uh, certainly some talent around the league this mm. year. It's the traditional Easter Thursday round this week as well. Yep. you any chance to get out there? I think so. I mm. think so. so. Who have you got? We play Redbacks. Play Redbacks at yeah, their bit, place, of, bit of revenge on, on your minds. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, look, they've added some some key pieces to their squad. Mm. Um, and, you know, they'll, they'll probably have Gatorna back once the NBL season's yep. done. So that's another big piece that they'll have to... He'll be, at, he'll be at RSA Arena at the same time you play. Yeah, exactly. So they're tough. They're mm. tough. And, you know, we're, we're just going to take baby steps right now. So... Yeah, we're not sure if, if Trigg's going to be allowed to coach. Uh, if he won on Thursday. Yeah, he'll be yeah. he'll be needed elsewhere yeah, well, on Thursday it. anyway. But, so, but hopefully he's beyond that. Hopefully he will be able to. Fingers do. crossed. Fingers crossed. And you know we, we don't want to do anything that's going to hinder anything he does with the cats. Yeah. So um, that's a tough. But one. how did Charlie go? He was awesome. Mm-hmm. He was awesome. And you know pacing up and down the sidelines <laughs> like yeah. a madman he yep. is. And and that's great because it gets you involved. The coaching staff was really good, and they have been really good all mm-hmm. preseason. All right, let's get into round twenty in the NBL, Cody and. It couldn't possibly start off any better. <laughs> Thursday night in Wollongong, Illawarra Hawks on a game, six game winning streak, Sydney Kings on an 11 game winning streak. They're pretty much fighting for home court advantage in the playoffs. Yeah. Jeez, what do you think? Huge, huge game. That's awesome. Um, I reckon that the Hawks end the streak. Mm. Um, I reckon they get it done. Sydney, couple of players that didn't play too well this weekend, like we said. But um, look, I don't expect that to, to keep happening. Mm. You know, the, the, but I, I do think the Hawks um, end the streak this week. Second up on Thursday night, the traditional rivals, Perth Wildcats and the Adelaide 36ers. Yeah, yeah always always a good game. That rivalry has, has been uh, been around for geez, as long as I can remember. When I was for going 40 to years, games, yeah. yeah. So 
And it, it is. It's the 40th, 40th year anniversary game. Mm. So that'll be a big one. I think, I think the Cats certainly get up for that one. Just touching on that quickly, without beating a, a dead horse, <laughs> um, couldn't help but notice that the promotional imagery of the 40th anniversary had... Guess who? Had, had <laughs> guess who. And he still couldn't have found a spot in the 40th anniversary yes. team, but yep. you still used him to promote the 40th anniversary. For sure, for sure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that certainly wasn't lost on me by any mm. stretch. But, uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, those uniforms look cool. Look nice, they didn't they? Really the yellow those, was very nice, yeah. And those shorts with the uh, old logo on yeah. them, amazing, amazing. Need to try and get myself a pair of those ones, I think. Oh, your dad had a pair on. Did, yeah, did, did he take them home oh, with I him? I have no idea. I have no idea. Might have to steal them off him. Knowing the Wildcats, they probably still would have made him pay. <laughs> Um, Friday night, Cody. Tasmania Jack Jumpers just have to win this game to stay any chance. Mm-hmm. It'll be tricky against the New Zealand Breakers. Yep. Uh, tough game. But uh, I think Jack Jumpers keep their hopes alive. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think they go out and get that one. A couple of games on Saturday. Um, first up, Melbourne United and the Brisbane Bullets. Before Monday night, I would have been concerned about the Bullets, but mm-hmm. they showed some better signs coming off that win in Adelaide. They did. They, they definitely did. And it's... We're not sure what Franks is going to do, mm. if, if he's going to play or not. Um, but I think, again, that's something that they can build on, even, even if he doesn't play. But Melbourne, they're just going to, I think, flex the muscle again and, and really try to solidify that top spot. This one I am a little bit concerned about too, mm. because Adam Ford didn't like what he saw in a 29-point loss at home to Melbourne from the Taipans, and now they come to Perth to play on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah big one. And... Like we mentioned earlier, I, I can't see Machado playing in this season, and they're a different team without him. They got McCall back in the lineup, which is which is good, but um, you know he, he's certainly no Machado. So I, I think I think the Cats get that one done as well. Sunday, um, another important one for the Jack Jumpers, but the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, they'll at least want to finish the season on the high. So this is a tricky one too. It is, it is, and an opportunity for the Phoenix to play. You know the, the spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Um, Look, I think they'll get up and about for that game and try to prove a point that, uh, you know, they, they definitely want to finish ahead of the team that's just come into the league. Yeah, um, yeah, good point. And they're, they're going to do all they can, I think. Um, toss the coin on that one, though, man. Mm. I'm not 100% sure. It's in Melbourne, right? Yes. Yeah, so I'm probably going to go with Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Next up on Sunday, Sydney Kings, they kind of want to slip up as they try to get home court advantage at home to... The 36ers will be just fresh off playing in Perth on Thursday. Yeah, and they'll be, the Kings will be just down the road Yep. Uh, on Thursday. So, you know, a lot less travel, get to sleep in their own beds again, which will be good. Um, I, I think they come out and, and get it done against Adelaide. I just think they've got too many hmm. weapons. Pick your margin in this final one, Cody. <laughs> Monday night, Melbourne United at home to the Taipans. Yeah, look. It's, it's, geez. I, look, I don't think it's going to be a massive margin. Mm-hmm. I think Fordy's going to get his boys, you know, back and, and playing with, with some gusto. So, look, United get it done, but I think Cairns at least put up a fight for mm-hmm. sure now. All right. We'll come back next week and see how that all played out, Cody. We've been through a lot again this week. Yep. A lot happening in the NBL. There was a lot in the WNBL, a lot in the NBL one to get through as well. So we'll be back with all of that again next week as well. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to Hoop7 for making it possible. And also Maddie Knight, our good friend here, thanks to Tab Touch. 
doing some good things with his WA country team right now at the national championships. So good luck for the rest of the tournament to Matty and we'll catch up with him as soon as we can again for another Tab Touch preview. But I'll wrap it up now for this week, Cody, and get your final thoughts for for this week's show. Yeah, look, obviously jam-packed show again, mate. Um, Lots going on and and still lots to happen. Um, Hoping teams can... uh, the top four teams can can reach finals unscathed, so we uh, we have a a uh, rip roarer of a of a final series all round.